It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, January 23rd. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, legal action being taken against the city of Lexington over alleged civil rights violations. Then, Governor Tate Reeves signs bills that will push forward the second largest economic development project in state history. Plus, Mississippi Central District Transportation Commissioner shares his hopes for improving roads and bridges throughout the state this year. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A civil rights group files a lawsuit against the city of Lexington, alleging both the police and town government engage in systemic harassment and abuse of black residents. This is the second lawsuit filed against the city in recent months, and the U.S. Justice Department is also investigating the town. Julian, a civil rights law firm created by Mississippi attorney Jill Jefferson, has filed both lawsuits. Caden Love is a regional organizer with Julian and speaks with our Mike McEwen about the case. So Lexington PD has been engaging uh, in misconduct that we've been tracking uh, for the past few years now, starting a couple years ago with their chief who was caught on camera saying racial slurs and continuing uh, today through their alleged sexual abuse, physical abuse, um, as well as illegal arrests that have been made of the citizens of Lexington, which looks like arresting folks for profanity, arresting folks for parking their car on their own property, and uh, illegally obtaining bail through third-party uh, wiring apps like uh, Cash Up or Venmo. Um, so these are all things that Julian has been tracking through our previous lawsuit against the police department and through our work with the Department of Justice and their investigation. Uh, we had hoped that perhaps the DOJ investigation would slow down some of the police misconduct that was going on in Lexington. Uh, But it appears that it is continuing uh, even as the DOJ are investigating. So that's sort of what prompted some of our uh, our move to to pursue further litigation. Um, But these, these are some of the things that we've been seeing in Lexington. How does this litigation relate to previous litigation filed? I was in Lexington it must have been early June of 2023 when the Department of Justice was there for a listening session. And I know at that time there was already litigation filed by Jill Jefferson and Julian. So how does this most recent complaint relate to previously filed litigation? Uh, so from my understanding, this is 
more about addressing the systemic issues. So I believe the last lawsuit was against the police department in Lexington. This is a lawsuit against the city of Lexington. So uh, showing that it's kind of a compounding and systemic issue as opposed to only a police issue. Uh, and also, I believe that considering the frequency of the continued issues, uh, another form of litigation was necessary in order to hold the police accountable in the city of Lexington. I know you said you weren't a lawyer. Do you know where or what the process looks like or the timetable, I should say, now for this complaint? Uh, that can be, yeah, that's a very broad. It depends on a lot of things, the courts, uh, how long it takes to process everything, getting everything in line and in order. So I, I don't have the knowledge necessary to give you a straightforward answer on that. What specifically has been seen since the DOJ announced their investigation into Lexington PD? Have things... Have they improved even a little, or is it the same behavior that Jill Jefferson, on behalf of clients, has been arguing for years now? Yeah, what you're seeing on police misconduct investigations, not only in Lexington but in other areas as well, is that there tends to be an ebb and flow of police misconduct. So when we began, when the DOJ began their investigation in November, we did see a, a slight lull in police misconduct. Uh, maybe they were adjusting to their new parameters, figuring out uh, where they could where they could find time to commit abuse. But after a while, they got right back up to their old issues. Uh, when the DOJ would stop riding along with them, be it at 5 p.m. or wherever, they would just continue the misconduct whenever they weren't being directly observed by DOJ. And that's what we've been seeing. Those complaints that we've been getting have been that, okay, as soon as DOJ isn't in the car with them or isn't in the office with the police, they continue basically the same pattern of misconduct. Uh, so that's what we've been saying. Wow. So so this complaint, you said it was systemic and that dates back a number of years. But am I correct in, in, in my understanding that it's mostly based on police action following the DOJ announcing their investigation? Yeah, I think it's been a ongoing series of issues. I just think the fact that DOJ, the fact that it's continuing after DOJ investigation just kind of shows the level of impunity that the police are showing in terms of this investigation. So I wouldn't say that it was based on the fact that they continued to commit police misconduct after the DOJ investigation. I just think that that just showcases uh, the kind of issue that we've been dealing with. But Julian has been collecting information and testimony uh, from the citizens of Lexington for a very long time. And this is kind of just uh, yeah, a part of that. This lawsuit is a part of that. Caden Love is a regional organizer with Julian, a civil rights law firm based in Mississippi. Lexington Police Chief Charles Henderson did not respond to a request for comment. Coming up, Governor Tate Reeves signs bills that will push forward the second largest economic development project in state history. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Supporting Mississippi public broadcasting can take many forms. Would you like to sponsor your favorite program or leave a legacy in your will? You could purchase our specialty car tag or donate a vehicle. Contribute appreciated stocks or buy a pair of socks from our web store. Do you make an automatic monthly sustaining donation? Connect with the MPB Foundation. Call us up or go to mpbonline.org. Thanks to our sustaining members who provide ongoing monthly financial support. You can become a sustainer, too. Go to mpbonline.org and click Donate Now. 
at the top of the page. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Governor Tate Reeves signs legislation to finalize what he says is the second largest economic development project in Mississippi history. It is also the largest payroll commitment of any major economic project in the state, he says. The investments made by the three private companies involved are expected to create 2,000 jobs with an average salary of $66,000 per year. The work site is located in Marshall County, and the state will help with building up infrastructure to support operations. Before signing the bill, Reeves said this has been an ongoing project long before lawmakers were called for a special session last week to approve the $350 million allocation. And the beginning of an incredible journey for an impressive new facility. First, let me again say a huge thank you to the Mississippi Legislature, Lieutenant Governor Hoseman, and Speaker White. This is a major bipartisan win for our state, and it's indicative of all that we can accomplish together. I also want to personally thank Executive Director Bill Cork and the entire team at the Mississippi Development Authority. They're firing on all cylinders, and they're proving that Mississippi can not only compete with the best, we can win when competing against the best. Most importantly, I want to thank Accelera by Cummins, Daimler Trucks, and Buses, and Pat Carr. On behalf of the entire state of Mississippi, we're proud to have you all here and we're excited to see you succeed. This investment is going to have a tremendous impact on our state. Nearly $2 billion will be invested into our communities. 2,000 jobs that pay an average annual salary of $66,000 a year will be created for hardworking Mississippians. This investment will have a generational impact on the community in Marshall County and will help strengthen our entire state. The capital investment is a joint venture by three electric vehicle battery manufacturers, Accelera by Cummins, Damler Trucks and Buses, and Picard, each owning 30% of operations. The remaining 10% is owned by China-based lithium battery maker Eve Energy Company. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Mississippi is open for business. I believe that it is further proven by the historic investment made in recent years. In the 10 years before I became governor, Mississippi averaged about $900 million a year in new capital investment. Since I've been governor, we've announced projects totaling almost $12 billion. And I got to tell you all, we got no plans to slow down anytime soon. We're investing in Mississippians through improved workforce training efforts, We're investing in sites across Mississippi that will drive further capital investment, and we're bolstering our infrastructure to support new and our existing industries and companies, and we're better preparing ourselves for the opportunities that will come with the next generation of economic development. I'm proud of what we've been able to accomplish. I'm proud of this project, and I'm proud to sign this historic legislation. While much of the in-state legislation is set for these businesses to start construction, lawmakers say the plans must still be approved by the U.S. Treasury Department.
Reeves says groundbreaking on the project could come as early as this spring. The facilities could be operational by 2027. This is the second special session Governor Reeves has called to advance economic development projects, the first aluminum dynamics in the Golden Triangle. While he has recently teased the idea of calling another one soon, he declined to comment on when that next one might be. What I would tell you is there is a possibility of a special session every day between now and whenever I go out of office. If it's, if it's about bringing new economic development and new jobs to the state of Mississippi, Uh, that pay above average wages, uh, yes, there is a definite possibility that that we are going to to look to see uh, more of that in our state. And again, Mississippi is spending roughly $350 million to build up the infrastructure around the work site in Marshall County. Reeves said the state should see a good return on this investment in the coming years. I don't think every state does it that way, but that's the way we do it. We, We Uh, take a very hard look at money uh, going out, uh, cash outflows, and a very hard look at cash inflows. And we look at every single deal just on the deal itself and don't even take into account all of the ancillary benefits that a deal of this magnitude has in the community. And so um, it is extremely important that we have a return on investment calculation done on every project. It's extremely important that we have a net present value of money's going in and money's going out on every single project. And I will tell you that this is not the first project we've looked at on this particular site. Um, and there have been other states that have been uh, willing to spend significantly more dollars than, than we were because it didn't, in our opinion, make economic sense. Um, on this particular project, as you know, about, 100, uh, about $180 million, uh, of the 350 is actually going to road construction, um, water and sewer construction, uh, which obviously are core functions of government and one that we w- would and should be doing uh, for this specific project and really for counties all across the state. We spent uh, about $2.5 billion, for example, last year at the Mississippi Department of Transportation. And, and so this is just a, about half of this is, is for that purpose. These announcements come as many electric vehicle manufacturers are gearing up production across the nation to prepare for an industry-wide shift away from petroleum. Next, Mississippi's Central District Transportation Commissioner shares his hopes for improving roads and bridges throughout the state this year. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Supporting Mississippi Public Broadcasting can take many forms. Would you like to sponsor your favorite program or leave a legacy in your will? You could purchase our specialty car tag or donate a vehicle. Contribute appreciated stocks or buy a pair of socks from our web store. Do you make an automatic monthly sustaining donation? Connect with the MPB Foundation. Call us up or go to mpbonline.org. Connect with the people looking to connect with you. Become an underwriter with Mississippi Public Broadcasting. For more information, go to mpbonline.org slash more slash underwriting. If you aren't near a radio, you can still listen to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. You can download the MPB Public Media app for your smartphone or listen online at mpbonline.org. 
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Transportation Commissioner Willie Simmons is calling on the state legislature to increase the Mississippi Department of Transportation's funding for projects to increase road capacity. Simmons recently was appointed chair of the commission and spoke on Monday to reporters in Jackson about his plans for the coming year. He says for the last decade, MDOT has had the funding to maintain but not improve the state's roads. We as Department of Transportation, once again, feel real good, and we have to give appreciation to the state legislature, uh, the governor's office, the lieutenant governor, and the speaker, because in 1918, 2018, uh, when I was still in the Senate, uh, Governor Bryant called a special session, and at that particular time, uh, the legislature stopped kicking the can down the road, so to speak, and we started the process of putting resources in. You remember that session. It was a very good session for infrastructure. And it was called kind of as a result of some of the bridge problem we was having, and the federal government was putting pressure on the state of Mississippi to take care of the bridges or they was going to pull some of the monies that was coming into the state. We did that special session, and during that session, we did four things. Most of you probably remember the lottery, <clears throat> and that was the big thing coming out. And I have one regret of the lottery because I was the person who had the lottery bill on the Senate side and sent it to the House. Uh, we passed that bill, and we said that $80 million, the first $80 million was going to go to the Department of Transportation for Infrastructure. And that was a good thing to do. We thought well of it. We didn't think, based on the experts, that it would grow much more than $80 million, but we realized now that we could have said $120 million and been in good shape. But we didn't say that. We said in the legislature, $80 million. But in addition to that, we passed what is referred to as the ERBF, the Emergency Road and Bridge Program, was put in place. And if you remember during that session, we put $250 million on the bond bill. And that $250 million, when the counties and municipalities applied for that money, uh, it came into over a billion dollars in needs. So we realized there was a need uh, for that. So we said to the legislature, after that, you should continue to fund that program. We want to give thanks to the legislation again because they have continued to put about $100 million into the ERBF program every year, and it's really helping the counties and municipalities. Simmons says the legislature has made significant investments to the Department of Transportation within recent years. He says funding emergency road and bridge projects, the lottery, and one-time funding has been effective in keeping roads safe. But Simmons says there's room for improvement. But here's the catch that I want to kind of leave you with uh, for thoughts. Please do give thanks to the legislature for what they've done. But also remind the legislature that you have done a great job in putting together the $450 million in capacity and that the commissioners are moving those projects that I mentioned earlier. But when we look at what our needs are, our needs are far greater than $450 million. As a matter of fact, when you think about here in the Central District, Interstate 55, here in the Central District, when we think about Madison County, that'll cost us about $110 million. And individuals in Madison County desperately need that as we see growth in their industrial uh, businesses, such as uh, over at the, at the what we call the mega site that they have. But when you see Amazon, and you see Nissan, and you see other opportunities that they have, 
that will eventually be, probably be coming their way as well as in other parts of the state. When you see uh, projects like that going on, you know it's going to cost a lot of money. But also when you go up on 55 in the northern part of the state, in DeSoto County, there again, we're talking about a project that will be in excess of $200 million. You look at 15 in the northern part of the state, and you're talking about $150, $200 million kind of projects going on. A lot of money for those projects. So when we look at our need, we need recurring dollars. And the reason we need recurring dollars because when I think about capacity projects, all of those projects that I didn't even mention that are throughout the state of Mississippi, $8 billion in capacity projects. In addition to that, annually we need about $200 million or so for maintenance. Because remember, again, I said to you, for about 10 years, a decade, we went to just maintaining our highways, but we didn't have enough money to take care of the maintenance. When we got the lottery money, we, the commission, decided to put all the lottery money into main, maintaining our two-lane highways. Very good. So you see a lot of pavement, a lot of asphalt going down. But it's not enough to take care of it because many and most of those highways have not been done in 20 years. Simmons also took time to thank MDOT workers who continue to treat roads and bridges for the icy conditions, which began last week and are still present in North Mississippi. Our staff is already out doing the things that they do in order to try and protect citizens. And during the past week, they have been out doing that. So if you are anywhere other than the extreme northern part of the state, uh, you probably are okay with your highways as far as the ice is concerned. But if you're up in the northern part, starting around North Bolivar County and going north uh, to the Tennessee line, there are some of our highways that are still impacted. We consider those to be the side uh, highways, uh, but those main highways, the interstate system, has been pretty well taken care of. So we want to give thanks to our employees for what they do, because it doesn't matter what kind of weather it is or what is going on. During the 2023 legislative session, lawmakers gave MDOT its highest level of funding in state history, including $450 million for capacity projects. A man is in a Carroll County jail after a mother who was protecting her children shot him. Media reports say 44-year-old Steve Lamar Goss Jr. couldn't kick in the house door, so he drove his pickup truck into the home's dining room carrying a knife. The woman's husband, who was at work, called deputies telling them what was going on. The mother and children were hiding in a closet. When Goss opened the door, she shot him in the arm. He drove off, but deputies caught up with him. Goss is now charged with four counts of attempted murder and one count of burglary. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.